We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit as outlined by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So far we've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. How are we doing with those? <laughs> have, have you got all those down yet? Um, I haven't. If so, if you have, please talk to me and let me know how you did that. Um, but I'm working on them. Uh, remember, they're called fruit because they require effort to grow. It's not just something God hands you. Oh, you want more goodness? Boom, here's some goodness. We develop it in partnership with the Holy Spirit uh, over time in our lives. So hopefully we are finding ourselves growing in those fruit of the Spirit. This morning we want to talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now most of the time when that word is used in Scripture, it refers to God. God's faithfulness toward us. But he also calls us to be faithful. And that word... Uh, means one who is true to their word, one who keeps their promises, one whose life is marked by integrity. And that's where I want to kind of come down with this fruit. I want to talk about integrity because it's the essential element of faithfulness. Now, most of the time when we mention integrity, we, we talk about honesty. We're talking about being honest with people, not telling lies, but telling the truth. And that's a big part of it. But the word integrity actually means something that is whole and undivided. It's integrated. The word integrity comes from integration. That every aspect of your life is whole and undivided. And what that means is that we are the same person no matter where we are, no matter who we are with, or no matter what the circumstances or situation of our life are. You know, a lot of people tend to be chameleons in life. They, they kind of act one way at home, and then they might be another way at work. And they might be yet another way when they're out with their friends. And, and depending upon the situation or who they're with or what they're doing, they change. And see, that's to lack integrity. Integrity means that you are the same person. You know, what's the old saying? What you see is what you get. When you see me here at church talking to you about the Word of God and you see me at Needler's Grocery Store on Wednesday, I should be the same person. I shouldn't be someone different when I'm here at church with you and when I'm out doing something else. 
That's what integrity means. I like what Will Rogers had to say. He described people of integrity uh, this way. He said, they live in such a way that they wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You live in such a way that you wouldn't be ashamed <laughs> to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. I wonder how many of us would want to do that. Uh, and I want to focus most of my message here this morning on, on being practical. How do we do that? We, these fruit of the Spirit are not theoretical things. They're not abstract things. They're very practical aspects of our life. So how do we achieve more integrity in our life? I'm assuming we could use more. You know, our sinful human nature fights against integrity. My natural response, if I'm in a situation and telling a lie could get me out of it while telling the truth is going to get me in trouble, my natural response is, well, lie. If I'm in a situation uh, where uh, not being honest will get me more advantage than being honest, I, I tend to not want to do that. It's just my natural human nature. And I have to resist that. I mean, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When they first ate that forbidden fruit, the first response they had was to lose their integrity. God's walking through the garden. Where are you? They're hiding. They don't want to tell him. They're hoping he goes on by and they don't have to tell him what happened. They hide the truth. And then when the truth comes out, they try to give excuses for it. Rather than owning their sin and saying, yes, we sinned against you, we did wrong, uh, Adam says, well, she, she gave it to me. <laughs> and so, well, he talked me into it. And, and, you know, they're trying to pass the buck. So the first victim of the first sin was their integrity. And ever since then, we have struggled to live as people of integrity. I think the first thing we have to do to help develop this fruit in our life is to be honest with ourselves. You're not going to be honest with others if you're not honest with yourself. You need to look in the mirror and ask that person across from you do you have integrity? Do you have integrity at home with your family? Do you have integrity at work or at school? Do you have integrity uh, with your friends? Does your whole life reflect integrity? Because you can lie to other people. You can even try to lie to God, but you really can't lie to that person in the mirror because they know. They know. How about integrity in social media? That's, that's kind of a hot thing today. Uh, I, I was reading an article that said a, a large percentage of people that put their profiles on social media lie about themselves. 
They make themselves look better than they really are. They say things about themselves that aren't necessarily true because it makes them look good to others. Uh, same thing's true of these online dating profiles. A high percentage of people that put their profile out on one of these dating sites make themselves out to be more than they really are. So we have to be honest with ourselves. That's where integrity starts. Second, we have to speak the truth. We must speak the truth. Titus 1-2 says that God does not lie. And by contrast, in John 8-44, Jesus said, When Satan lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we have to ask ourselves, who does our life reflect? When we are living with integrity and speaking the truth, we are reflecting the character of God. Because God does not lie. When we do lie, when we are dishonest, we are reflecting the devil's character because that's all he does. He's incapable of the truth, just like God is incapable of lying. So if we are a child of God, we must speak the truth. But we should never use our commitment to the truth as an excuse to disparage or hurt other people. I get very upset with some of my fellow Christians sometimes. When you see them on the, on the media and they're protesting something and they write ugly things on signs. And they say ugly things. Um, and, and their excuse is, well, we're speaking the truth. Well, they may be. I may agree with their position, but I totally disagree with the way they are going about expressing it because they're being hurtful to people. And we must not do that. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.15 that we should speak the truth with love. Now, it's hard to do. But I, we went to the North American Christian Convention, uh, and one of the speakers that I got to hear said something I hope I never, ever forget. He was talking about the need for us to balance grace and truth in our lives. If we lean totally toward grace, we tend to excuse sin, we tend to overlook sin and compromise sin because we just want to show love for everybody. We want to show them God's love, His grace, His mercy. Said, so, But on the other hand, if we totally focus on truth, we tend to be hurtful toward people. We tend to hammer people with, with what we believe to be right. So, so the speaker said, we've got to learn to balance grace and truth. And here's what he said. This is the line I will never forget. He said, always lead with grace and then land with truth. Lead with grace and land with truth. In other words, I should approach everyone with God's love, 
his respect, uh, recognizing their worth and dignity. I should treat people the way Christ treated people. And once I do that, then I have the opportunity to talk about truth. Rather than confronting people with truth that don't know me and don't have any sense that I care about them, lead with grace and then land with truth. And I think that's the essence of what Scripture tells us to do. That's what Jesus did. A perfect example is the woman who was caught in adultery and she was brought before Jesus. There was no grace in the way that the religious leaders approached her. They, they came at her with truth. You are a sinner. You're committing adultery. Adultery violates the law. You can be stoned to death for that. And they drug her down the street and they threw her on the ground by Jesus. And they said, what should we do? What's the truth here? And Jesus responded with grace. And in his actions, he caused her accusers to walk away. And he said, woman, who, who condemns you? She said, no one. Neither do I. You see, that's leading with grace. Neither do I. But did he stop there? Is that the last thing he said to her? No. He said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Jesus said, look, you've been sinning. What you're doing is wrong in the eyes of God. But I'm not going to hammer you with it. I came to forgive you for it. So he led with grace, but he landed with truth. And that's what he asks us to do. So be honest with yourself. Speak the truth. The third thing is keep your word. Keep your word. My father used to bemoan the fact that a person's word doesn't seem to matter much anymore. He talked about the days where you could conduct business with this rather than having to have a three-page contract written in legalese that nobody could understand. <laughs> and then you had to have it notarized to prove that you actually signed it. He said in the old days you could go in to buy a car, talk to the car dealer, make the arrangement, Drive off with a car. <laughs> you told him you were going to pay it. And you did. Because your word meant something. Well, as a follower of Jesus Christ, your word must mean something. When we promise, we must keep our promise. When we give our word, we must honor our word. And here's the hard part of that. What if things change? You know, it's, it's usually not a problem to keep my word if the circumstances remain the same under which I gave my word. But what if they change? That gets me off the hook, doesn't it? 
I mean, can I come back to you and say, you know, I promised you, but things have changed, so oop, that's off the table. It happens all the time, doesn't it? But should it happen all the time? God keeps his word, and we should too. Now, there are things that happen that make it impossible to follow through with something. I understand that, and that, that is different. But if it is possible for you to continue to keep your word, to fulfill your promise, even though circumstances change, we need to do that. Because that is integrity. And we need to maintain our integrity under fire. Maintain your integrity under fire. As you read through the word of God, you find out that people remained faithful even through the most difficult of circumstances. Daniel was a Jewish exile in Persia, and the Persian king decided to make a law that said, you can't pray to anybody but me for 30 days. Daniel was in the habit of going up to his upper floor to the window that pointed toward Jerusalem and kneeling down to pray three times a day. He wanted to remind his fellow Jews that even though we're living in Persia, we are still the people of God. And now he's got a choice to make. The king has said, what I've been doing is illegal. Do I maintain my integrity before God or do I not? I wouldn't have blamed him if he hid in his closet and said, I'll still pray. I'll just do it privately. But then the fellow, his fellow Jews would have looked up at Daniel's window and said, oh, I guess he gave it up. The king said, don't do it, and he's not doing it, so we should all stop praying too. See, when, when we act without integrity, we don't realize sometimes the consequences it has upon others. But Daniel stayed true. He went to his window, he knelt down and prayed, and he got thrown in the den of lions. But it just so happened the lions weren't hungry. And Daniel came out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were out on the plain of Dura. And the king unveils this big old statue and says, This is now God. And it just happens to look like me. <laughs> and I want you all to bend the knee to our new God. And all the people, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing there. King calls him up and said, maybe you didn't understand. I'll give you a second chance. Bow the knee to my statue. So we're not bowing. We didn't bow before and we're not bowing now. Because we have to be true to God. We have to have integrity before God. That's no God. That's a hunk of metal. And it's not even a very good likeness of you. <laughs> they probably didn't say that, but... And so they get thrown into the fiery furnace, but it just so happens that a fourth man appeared with them and walked them right out again. And, and it goes on and on. Jesus Christ 
lived with integrity before God in the garden. He said, I don't want to die. Let this cup pass from me. Let's change to plan B. This one's too hard. And God said, I don't have plan B. It's either this or they're all condemned forever. And Jesus went to the cross. That's integrity. He maintained his faith under fire, and so must we. There are times when being a person of integrity is going to cost you. It's going to require a sacrifice. It's going to get you in trouble. It's going to create a harder path of life for you. Do it anyway. Because even if no one around you notices, God does. And he will honor your integrity. Faithfulness. Integrity. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And we need to ask God every day to help us to grow more of this fruit of faithfulness. Let us pray. God, we are grateful that you have absolute integrity toward us. Your word is sure. Your promises are true. We know that you will be faithful to us. And I pray that day by day we would become more faithful to you. That we would be people of integrity. That we would live without pretense. That we would live without hypocrisy. That we would live our lives in such a way that people know the true us. Now that's scary just to say it. But when we can learn to truly be integrated and whole before you and before others. That will be our best self. So be with us, Father. Develop this fruit in us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Accepting Christ as your Savior requires integrity. Remember I said the first step was to be honest with yourself? And as you begin to be honest with yourself, that's when you realize, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of grace. I cannot get out of this life alive <laughs> on my own. But I can get out of this life alive if I've entrusted it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if, if you need to make that choice, if you're ready to make that choice to say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, then I'm going to invite you to come during this hymn of invitation we sing. It will be my, my privilege to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in what we call a confession of faith that simply means a statement saying, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. But you have to be honest with him. It's not just a ritual that you go through. It is a commitment of the mind and the heart. 
So I invite you to come. As we stand together, we're going to sing number 486, verses 1 and 2. Open my eyes. 